that's that's not exactly like today I was uh, talking to somebody and I was telling him, Yeah, it's it's been pretty uneventful. I just uh drop off a stripper, that's all. And as I, as I said that I was like, Hold on a second. Did I just say that? That's right. I just said that. Yeah, well, what you're experiencing is a little bit of what everybody's experiencing now is that in a city where everybody's so separated, these rides are very much like needles that are kind of throwing people together. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And the project it's, it's, itself uh, started off. Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Thanks. Well, I mean, originally I was, I started driving because I was researching a film that I'd written about downtown and I wanted to drive around the area and just figure out how to, you know, drive in the right direction down there because it's so confusing. What happened was I ended up taking a tour of the entire city, and it opened up a bigger picture and a bigger story to me, and one that kind of helped explain why I've been here for about 21 years now from New York, but I've never felt at home. And so the more I started to drive around, the more the answers started to just kind of come to me through the windshield and through individual people as they got in the car. Right. No, and then uh, every day is so different. Like I, I would never, I would have never thought I would be here in Hawthorne today. I'm from the valley, so just to get out of the valley for me is uh, an event. Um, <laughs> hey man, you're uh, close to. Uh, you're close to Alhambra. You got to go over to this place called, um, I think it's called Tasty Noodle or 101 Noodle. And it's kind of amazing because all the good Chinese food is actually out in East LA um, because that's where everybody migrated. Uh, and it's kind of the secret place out there. Um, but you got to go if, you, if you're nearby. You just put it in there and you, you'll go get some serious lunch. Um, for me, um, like everybody else here, you know, I didn't, I only knew the sections of town I was in. And only kept to my space because it's such a heavily segregated city. But all of a sudden, um, there are a bunch of people coming here, and people are coming without cars. And they're looking for new ways to get around. And little by little, it's pushing more buses and trains. And with rideshare, it's actually accidentally integrating a city that had spent a lot of money and time over the last 70 years making sure it didn't integrate. Right. And that... Yeah, that was my point the other day on Wednesday when I, it took me literally, and I can prove it, I have pictures, two hours and 38 minutes <laughs> from going from the valley and trying to get out of the valley onto LAX, and the girl was, oh. not, we, could, we, were, we were both perplexed. I was like, I'm perplexed, and I'm from, the, from this city of LA, <laughs> and she's from Texas, but she says it's, it's always happened to her. Every time she comes to L.A., she will miss her flight. Every time. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's amazing, isn't it? The lengths that we go to to keep from being in the same space with each other. Because uh, the, the truth is that all this stuff comes down to um, a function of national policy from the 30s. I mean, we all who live here, we all believe that it was the story from Roger Rabbit that um, cars came in, the auto industry came in, and uh, ripped up the red car trolleys that used to be here and pushed cars on everybody because they wanted to make money. And I'm sure part of that is very true. But if you dig a little bit underneath, what I discovered was that uh, it's a little bit deeper than that. It has to go more towards the National Housing Act of 1934, which was comprehensive policy throughout all major cities to separate 
different races in the different areas and provide opportunity for people to buy homes if they were a certain color. So there were areas on the west side that were deemed green where you could get a home at a good price and a good rate on your loan. And then there were areas on the east side, not far from where you are now, that were designated as yellow or red because they were quote unquote dangerous where folks couldn't buy property. And so it was a very comprehensive way to make sure that different races would never have access to inherited wealth, which is pretty much the number one way that Americans have gained wealth over time in this country. And on top of that, social services are paid for with property taxes. So uh, on the east side, you have um, more challenging hospitals and schools, but on the west side, you've got Kaiser and UCLA. And uh, this was working really well. And the freeways that were built pretty much paralleled those red lines of the neighborhoods. And it was incredibly successful for a really long time until all of a sudden, a lot of people start moving here without cars. And all of a sudden, these tech companies created something called rideshare, where you could actually share space in your car and you didn't need one to get around. And Silicon Valley came down from San Francisco and took over the west side. And Santa Monica thought, you guys are great. You have a lot of money. You'll keep the wall up. But they were different. And they're a different generation. And they landed, and they're like, where's the train, man? We like people who are different colors as long as they went to Stanford. (laughs) And now now we have a train that goes to Santa Monica. And Santa Monica hates that train. (laughs) But it is the number one train in the city increasing in population. Okay. And it's a big deal. Uh, Wilshire from Line LA. is coming. It's going to be. I'm sorry. They should do. They should do from, one from LAX going to other, and also the valley. The valley is uh, it's communicated coming. right now. Because... Well, you know, you mean you know the, the one train from, LA. from the airport. The train from the airport is going to. It's scheduled to go and meet the expo line, but actually, they just talked about expanding it. So there's a really good chance it's going to go straight up to Hollywood, brother. That would be great. I mean, people want to yep. come to Hollywood. They come to LA to go to Hollywood, so why make it difficult for them to do that? My friend was from. <laughs> well, you know, you know what's funny mm-hmm. is that uh, those of people who've grown up here, especially on the West Side or even the East Side, we kind of have this really strange attitude that we've all kind of got in our system that there are no trains on the West Side because it just wasn't possible. Like it was really difficult to build them, and <laughs> you know, and they just they just didn't make it over even though all of them stop at Western and they run on the East side and they're fine. And the truth is that no, the reason that they're not over there is because people didn't want folks to have access to the West side. But now that we've filled up all the space with cars, all of a sudden we've got no choice. And that's usually how we do it. Uh, When we have no choice, not necessarily when we're supposed to. (laughs) So this cool little accident, this, this tech way of getting around taxi cabs, is accidentally integrating a city that's been segregated for 73 years. And I think that's pretty cool. And that's what started the project, which ideally is going to be a scripted TV series, a half-hour series, very much like High Maintenance on HBO. And the beginning of it was that uh, I started a blog that is going to become a book, and I was asked to read from that blog live at Clifton's about two years ago. And... As soon as I finished reading it, my friend Matt Ritchie, who's a director, who you've had on the program, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. He was sitting there waiting for me, and when I got down and he said, okay, 
So you're going to do this as a show, and you put it all together, and it's just going to be you in a chair telling stories. And I looked at him, and I'm like, are you crazy? And he's like, no, no, you're going to do this. You're going to do this for Fringe. <laughs> he's bad that way. So, yeah, so 2017, we started with an experiment to see if it was a show, and it turns out it was. And then in 2018, I mounted a full production of it at the Hollywood Fringe there. And now we're um, looking at moving on to New York, and uh, most likely I'll be going to Edinburgh um, in a couple of months. Right, right. Awesome. No, and I must say, the direction was great, too. Uh, Matt, Matt, he did a great job uh, in directing um, the play where everybody felt, at the end of, like I was telling him, at the end, we everybody felt connected. Uh, the right. end of your show, it was very right. uplifting. Um, no, no pun intended there. It was really uplifting where everybody was like, <laughs> you know what? I don't even know what's behind my, my, my house. I don't even know that street. What's that street called? I don't even know yeah. uh, my neighbor. I don't know what's going on, what's, what's happening down in the community. I don't, you know, people don't do that. And it's, uh, it's very sad, actually. It's very sad. It's what it is. But I used to, I, I didn't grow up here. I grew up in Peru. And in Peru, it's more, you know, kids were allowed to play in the street um, until nighttime, until it, you know, got dark. Uh, we, we all got to know our neighbors. We all got to know their names. We knew what was going on with so-and-so. And in the corner, there's the, the, the Chinese guy, you know. <laughs> Um, we knew everybody yeah. in, in town, you yeah. know, and so here it, it was a culture shock for me because I, I didn't know my neighbors and, um, sometimes you don't want to even know your neighbors, cause, <laughs> uh, but, well, but overall you want to feel like you're part of a community for sure. I, I, when I grew up yeah. in New York along, you know, a hundred million years ago, I knew guys on the block. I used to play stoop on the street until it was dark and we knew everybody around us. We knew people in the building as well, too. So I, I totally get that. And I felt a little bit of it when I first got out here, but it had changed pretty drastically. And uh, I was actually, I was kind of done with L.A. It was pretty much one flavor because I was so frustrated with what is perhaps the most diverse city in the country. And yet all the diversity is segregated. You know, if I need to see Korean people, I got to go to Koreatown. <laughs> or if I need to see different uh, sexual preferences, I have to go to different parts of town. And, uh, I just went, you know, it's just yeah. I just went through uh, a lot of Baptist Baptist churches here, right? And I, sure. and I was telling the girl, I was telling the stripper. <laughs> nice. Keep going. Yeah, exactly. 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 I was telling the stripper um, who was sitting in the, the backseat of my car. Um, yeah. I was telling her, like, uh, it's funny because I, I haven't seen this many Baptist churches churches until now and i've been here for 20 some years and, and i'm now realizing where i was at you know which is the hood i guess they call it the hood with inglewood and i'm like oh well, not okay, now so this is where not, not now that's this yeah the stadium's coming through there man people have been running down to trying to buy a yeah. home you can't even get a house now so it's mm. it, there's a lot of change but i have to tell you it's probably the most churches in LA than anywhere else in the country because I, and I think it's a function of what we're talking about here. Kind of what I discovered was, you know, I've been here for a long time and there's that cliched version of an LA person that people make fun of the person's flaky or they can't think straight or they're not really focused. And 
it turns out that I really think it's a function of the fact that we've all been separated and put into little metal boxes. And we spend all that time driving. We don't really have our feet on the ground for very long. And we're not talking with that many people. So we end up living in our head. And there's nothing true in there. Our brain's just designed to create dangerous scenarios so that we won't go out of the cave and get eaten by dinosaurs. And so little by little, people need to connect and communicate. It's why I think that the biggest and best events in the city are the big ones where everybody's congregating that become phenomenons like Sinespia or the Hollywood Bowl or even food trucks where people have to go out and glom to a place where they're in each other's company. And uh, how ironic is it that you could kind of track it back to this national policy to separate people by culture has led to an entire city of people who feel isolated literally from each other. Then all of a sudden comes this crazy accident where uh, you're waiting for strangers and you have to pick up a stripper and you end up talking about churches because it's another human being in your car with you. Right. Yeah, not, not only that, I was, so, you know, it was, it was a deeper conversation, too, and that's, that's, that was the, you know, and I, think, I didn't get the hang of it until, until it's been already a month, so I didn't get the hang of it until recently where I, I saw how people open up in less than 10, 10 minutes of a ride. They open up so much, and they... And sometimes it's overwhelming to me. It's overwhelming. I'm like, wow, it's like you haven't shared anything so personal. Uh, and I feel like I'm, you know, I'm a counselor. I'm a priest. I'm a, I don't know what I, I don't, well, I'm not a priest. But, you know, I feel like a confident. <laughs> like they didn't tell me anything. And there's no judgment. I'm just driving them wherever they have to go. And, you know, it's just, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. Like, yeah. Uh, it's opened up my horizon, let's put it that way, you know. I, I totally agree with you, I think. And it's no judgment also because, because you're both human beings, you know, just trying to get through your day. There's no reason for a judgment. And uh, right. it used to happen to me at laundromats when I had to go and do my laundry in places. You'd come across people randomly who just haven't spoken to someone in a really long time. So as soon as you say hello within a couple of minutes, it's just like all this stuff is like coming out. But now that we have this opportunity, and it's, it's very different than a taxi cab because, because it's your car. So they're getting into your personal space, right. and the agreement is, ideally, that you're sharing. And so it's very natural to share the same way that you would with anybody else in your car. I mean, I, I bet you feel this. Let me know. Because I, I, it's fascinating to find out, to see it happen through your eyes, as the, you know, because the, the experience has changed a lot since it began. But... The, the truth is that um, when someone's in your car and you're driving them, you're not really acknowledging whether it's a stranger as much when you're driving. You, I care about um, your safety as much as anybody else in my family when you're in your car because you're in my car. Right. I actually you know? I do feel that. I, I felt it, especially when a girl passed out in the backseat of my car. <laughs> what? When? <laughs> when? What happened? Tell me. She didn't, okay, she did, okay, so she didn't pass out. She was sleeping, but she was sleeping it off. Like she, she was drunk. Uh, she had been drinking oh, because okay. it was her twenty, twenty-sixth birthday, I think it was. Uh, forgot okay. her name. Anyway, so she came in the car. You know, I, it is Irina because I remember her name, Irina. So Irina walked okay. into my, my car. She had been drinking all night because it was her birthday, 
and she was heading to work. Yes, people. Oh, um, okay. You should Don't, do that. When you use real yeah. names. Oh, never mind. Okay. <laughs> well, there's many arenas. Keep going, keep going. There's a lot of here, so. Yeah. So she passed, she passed, she left in my car. She's left in the back seat of my car. But when I was uh-huh. looking at her, I felt like I was a protector. I felt like I was. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I I settled the music down a little bit more than usual. Um, it was very quiet, and but it was very peaceful. And, I, and that's why I I show you that uh, ended up in Echo Park, and I took that video of the Echo Park. And it was a beautiful day, as usual, here in California. It's not, you know, it's always nice. Um, right. And that's another thing. You know, it's like, okay, so 20-something years of working in an office where all I had to see was cubicles and all I had to see was yep. a computer screen. And now I get to see all of this. Oh, my God. And uh, I'm seeing it right uh, now. Like, right now, Speaking uh, right now, I'm speaking, and I'm in the middle of the shopping center with trees around me. There's wind going on, so I have to close my windows. I see a guy talking on his phone. I see bikes. I'm seeing mm. things like I couldn't see that in my office for uh. 20 something years, and he was driving me uh. crazy insane. Okay, and it. now yeah. I am like I am loving this because I. I needed this for my mind, you know what I mean, like health-wise. Yes. <laughs> um, so I can't tell you how and, nice it is to hear you say that. And it's true. I mean, I, I realize now, like, okay, now I'm getting the hang of it. Now I'm enjoying the ride because at the beginning it was very, you know, kind of hectic. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're laughing. No, you're laughing because, yeah, yeah I told you the story. Yeah, because – because I understand, but like I, I definitely understand. That's what the story is I'll be telling tomorrow night is literally about the panic of my very first ride and what was happening. And, uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago that it was a brand new thing. You know what I mean? Think about it. We're so, we're so isolated here that all of a sudden, um, how do we get into a circumstance where it's three in the morning, you're in the hills, you're drunk off your ass, and the safest yeah. option is to call a stranger to pick you up in their car. How much underneath we're yearning for to connect with each other, and to, and by definition, connect with the rest of the city. So literally, just from creating that space and difficulty of traveling, it creates that distance with within us as well. So it's nice that I mean you haven't ever told me this so far, and that's kind of lovely to hear because it tells me after four or five years of watching the companies kind of change and manipulate situations for drivers that it's still possible to have all of those positive benefits. And that's a really good thing because I think it's an important, um, not just service here, but important for thawing us all out. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, until the train comes. And... <laughs> no, I will. This will never end. Trust me. Even with the train. <laughs> well, look, um, I mean, this just went public today. So it's the biggest news in town. Until until something somebody else does something like anyhow I'm not gonna mention names but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chicago <clears throat> anyway um, yeah um, what was I gonna say 
Oh, oh I don't know. Yeah, I'm, lo- I'm loving that you're having that, that experience. I didn't know that you worked that way for such a long time. But it's not unusual in this town or, in you know, throughout the country. Well, you've been doing it for a while, right? How long, how long, how long have you been doing it? On and off. I was doing it on and off for about four and a half years. I had taken a year off in 2016 um, after I sold my house, and I just needed to zone out for a while. But, um, but I'm really getting to the point now, it's ironic, because as prices are for drivers, they really have driven off a lot of the responsible drivers, and they're going to have to kind of come to terms with that this year. But as the prices have gone down, it's been more challenging to consistently drive and drive safely. But what's happened very recently is I found myself able to, as a result of this project, um, start to enjoy the experience a lot more. And uh, so, you know, I'm hoping to make all of this work so that um, that I can, you know, that, that we can all be spreading this word together, you know, kind of through this project, um, because I think it's, it's something desperately needed here. But also, little by little, you know, it's their little dots that connect us all. Right. And you're actually building a community of drivers because, I mean, you and I, you know, have become more friends now because of these uh, circumstances. But uh, and it's been That's great true. because uh, had it had it not been had it not been for you, I would have quit the first week, honestly. <laughs> like this has been, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like I was so frustrated, you know, and not not knowing what you know what's up and down and. And uh, or one or two bad bad riders or bad experiences, but right, uh, you still I still I'm still learning. I, up until yesterday, I'm still learning, and of course I'll learn more today. And so I'm still learning how to not only um, drive safely and and focus on the road, and also focus on the conversation, and focus on how to you know cut ways to get there faster. Uh, how to be friendly, how to do you have water, what do you need? There's so many things that go through my head as soon as they come in the door and, of course, welcome them, you know. So all these things, uh, I'm developing these skills that I didn't have before uh, because I never had to do it. I had to be on the phone. So being on the right. phone was different than being in person. And Well, being, I think there's an opportunity in, to, um, to, you know, just to be in a state of gratitude. Uh, if you look at it that way, I mean, I'm wired a little differently. There's a lot of people that write about rideshare, and I love reading about it, about the crazy stories and the wild people. But for me, it's an opportunity to remind myself of what you know we're grateful for. Um, quite often, people will be in the middle of stuff. I'm always in the middle of stuff going on in my own head too. But I do remind myself and other people when we get in, and I ask them how you're doing. You know, I say, look, arms and legs, man. We got arms and we got legs. They're moving. Like it's all good after that. Right. And actually, there's a lot of humor. You know that I have. I have to. Sometimes I don't want. I don't want to sound stern. I don't want to sound like you know you must do this. But I was at USC the other day, and I was like, "Okay, buckle up, guys. We're gonna have a bumpy ride." And everybody was laughing. <laughs> but it's a. It's not a joke. <laughs> I'm actually being. I'm being kind of funny, but it's like, uh, yeah, buckle up, dudes. And it's, work, it's been working for me, like, the, you know, having, hey. having a sense of humor, it goes a long way to me. I don't know. Well, you're being yourself, you know, it's your car. Someone else is getting into your car, too. It's it's really interesting that, you know, we all, I do it myself, I catch myself thinking that, 
we speak about these basic human processes of connecting and communication as if they're unique, brand new things that we're just <laughs> discovering. Um, right. it, just, it just reinforces the isolation, you know? Uh, like, it's very possible to have a very real experience with a stranger for 10 minutes because we should be doing it on a daily basis, and we just don't often get that chance. And then on top of that, to have it with the city, you know, in, in a different way, because yeah. um, before, before Rideshare, before GPS, you know, you were here, there was just Thomas Guide. And with the Thomas Guide, we all right. stayed on, you know, page 363 or page 427. And you really didn't go beyond that page. So you don't realize that yeah. there's this gigantic city out there, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're coming up yeah, to, we're coming up to 4th of July. What? We're coming, up, we're coming up to the 4th of July, which is, in my opinion, one of the most unique things here in the city. And my favorite thing is to be on the 10th when there's fireworks start. So it's because literally we're positioning where the 10 is. There's some freeways where you're kind of above ground, like the 101 or things like that, or 405 where you just don't see anything. But on the 10, pretty much, if you're going east or west on the 10 between Santa Monica and downtown, there's a tremendous amount of street fireworks going off. And if you're lucky enough to be on a freeway around 9 o'clock, they're exploding all around you. And it's literally one of the most beautiful things that I've ever seen. And uh, a passenger just re- re- it's, it's amazing. A passenger just recounted it to me. It started off like two, three years ago. I was, I was stuck on the freeway, and then I was really upset because I didn't get a chance to see fireworks. And then all of a sudden, they started exploding. <laughs> and I was like, wow. <laughs> It's incredible. And, um, I mean, I don't know if I have film footage of it, but it's one of those things. There is is so much unexpected beauty here that literally comes up from the ground. And uh, it's unique. And I think if we we had the opportunity to travel without driving, we would get to experience that. Yeah. Without without having our head in a map, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's appreciating the little things too. You know, for me, it was yeah. uh, being at the beach one day. I, was, I happened to be in Malibu because somebody was I was dropping somebody off, and and she had a flat tire and all that. But I ended up at the beach, and I'm like, you know what? This will be a perfect time to take a break and exactly. walk in the sand and. Oh, I'm like, oh. I'm in amazing. I'm in this place, and why would I drive away from here now? If I'm already here. Enjoy it, yeah. right? And uh, you know how many people don't go to the beach we were, all year? Right, exactly until summer. <clears throat> and then yesterday we were at the uh, Whole Foods, you know, and I'm like, you know what? I bet they have smoothies, and so I went inside the Whole Foods. <laughs> I had the best smoothie in the world, and I'm like, fuck Jamba Juice. They don't know shit. <laughs> Go to Whole Foods. They have the Which best products. The one we were at yesterday uh, by the... Um, oh, the one on 3rd Street. Yeah, Park. right. Great. Yeah. Best Jamba Juice. Best, best juice I ever had. No, I was that. asking you because... Um, because you end up, you'll end up making connections with certain places that are totally in opposite neighborhoods than you. You know, I, I very much wrote about my favorite Whole Foods, which is down in Venice, and um, it's right on the corner of Rose. 
And it turned out, ironically enough, that one of the people that came that was in the audience this past year at the Fringe was the manager of La Cabana, which is one of the two old Mexican restaurants in Venice that I talk about during the show and uh, that I love. And the one of the few parts of Venice that's still remaining old Venice. And she came up right after me. And she handed me this card. She says, you come on in uh, whenever you're down there. And you, I'm connected now to Venice in a way that I never was before, simply from going to the bathroom at the Whole Foods. <laughs> right. Perspective, baby. And I was trying to get. I was trying to get that song for you. I was trying to get that song for you, but I couldn't get uh, Coldplay to download. And and right uh, now, actually, I'm literally, uh, I'm literally uh, in no, my car about to play you, yeah. about to play you Coldplay. But before uh, I do that. I want to end it with um, thanking you, of course, not only for the show today, but for all your help. You've been a tremendous help, and I really, really appreciate it. And you know that I love you, and I'll see you on Saturday um, in El Portal uh, on Lancashire Boulevard in North Hollywood. People that are not driving, you can check the red line and walk to it. It's a wonderful, wonderful theater. Um, yeah, I've never been there. I'm looking forward to seeing it for the first time. See? You can take, uh, yes. you can t- you can take me as your Uber driver. There you go. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yes, it's um, Unheard LA. You can go to kpcc.org and check out the info. It's free. They're filling up pretty quick, but you can call and get a free reservation. The show's going to be at 530. It's 90 minutes. It's me, but also, also a tremendous amount of real people just telling stories, not just performers, about the different aspects of a lot of what we're talking about. The, if we were in connection with each other, we'd realize there's some amazing regular folks here just walking on the street who have some of the most beautiful stories you'd ever want to hear. So look forward to seeing everybody. Right. And any, any hashtags, anything you want to tell us before we go? Oh, sure. Well, the blog is starting to be built now. So it's wearetraffic.net. Um, you can find me on social media under We Are Traffic blog. Or um, you can just look up Jonathan Tipton Myers. You'll see links through YouTube. Um, we'll get more info out there. And But the project is called We Are Traffic. And you'll see more and more information um, starting today. <laughs> <laughs>